Hello, everyone, and welcome to a fresh edition of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Cosmider, Broncos beat reporter at The Athletic, and um, it's Super Bowl week. Here, here we are. Uh, we're recording this on a Thursday morning uh, out here in Colorado, but in Las Vegas on Sunday, Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the 49ers, those two teams meeting four years after their original meeting when Patrick Mahomes won his first of what is now two uh, Super Bowls. He is trying to become the third quarterback in NFL history. I'm sorry, the fifth quarterback in NFL history to win at least three Super Bowls. So we're going to get a little bit into the Super Bowl matchup with our guest today, who is my colleague at The Athletic, Illinois Sports Writer of the Year, Chicago Bears reporter, Kevin Fishbane is going to join us to talk about, um, you know, I number one, the draft. The, the Bears have the number one pick and the number nine pick in the draft. They also have Justin Fields, a quarterback who started to show some real signs last year that he could be their franchise's answer. But of course, with that number one pick, they have a decision to make. How could those ripples affect what the Broncos do at the quarterback position? We'll get into that. We'll get into some of his thoughts uh, after being down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl last week and, and kind of some of the standouts that were there. And like I said, we'll get a little bit into our Super Bowl picks. Uh, the Broncos uh, on the home front has been a pretty quiet offseason. This is I've been texting people who have sort of been in this Broncos ecosystem, um, you know, for the last four years. This is really the first time, um, you know, since then that there hasn't been either a coaching search or a general manager search, um, you know, both the the coordinators appear to be, um, you know, returning for Broncos and, and Joe Lombardi and Vance Joseph. Um, Denver did add Pete Carmichael as a senior assistant, a longtime um, offensive assistant with Sean Payton there in New Orleans, who was let go uh, by the Saints this offseason. He's going to join Payton's staff. Um, so, so that that's kind of the, the only real shakeup from a coaching staff perspective, um, you know, that the Broncos have had this offseason. Um, personnel wise, obviously we continue to wait for the Russell Wilson decision. The Broncos have until the fifth league day of, uh, of the year in March, uh, next, uh, next month to really decide, uh, hit his fate and all signs of course, point toward the Broncos releasing Wilson after Sean Payton benched him for the final two games of last season. As, as you all well, well are, are well aware by now that comes with an $85 million dead money hit. The Broncos could spread that out over two years. Um, but again, that decision will ultimately um, dictate a lot of what the Broncos do, uh, both in free agency, in the draft, and of course, in their pursuit of the next quarterback of this team. So we're going to get into all of that. Um, and it starts with a conversation with Kevin Fishbane, my colleague at The Athletic. All right, thrilled now to welcome in our guest for this week, my colleague at The Athletic covering the Chicago Bell Bears, uh, the Chicago Bells, that'd be a good one. Um, Illinois Sports Writer of the Year, Kevin Fishbane. Kevin, thanks so much for uh, for taking the time today, man. Thank you, Nick. It's an honor to be out with the Colorado Sports Writer <laughs> of the Year. All right, well, we're going to go to North Carolina, right, this summer to, to go? That's the plan. I've never been to Winston-Salem. Excited. I, I never have either. Um, so, yeah, that, that should be... That should be, where is it like in relation to, is that close to Charlotte? That That's basically my geographical starting point for North Carolina is Charlotte. And then I don't know much outside of that. Yeah, I, I've been to Charlotte. I've been to Raleigh. I've been to, and I've been to Chapel Hill. And I couldn't tell you where any of them are <laughs> in relation to each other. I do specifically remember going to 
Charlotte to go to the NCAA tournament in Raleigh and then realizing those are very far away from each other. Right. <laughs> poor, poor planning. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it seems close enough. You look at a map, but yeah, my, my East coast geography, having lived on the West coast, my whole life is um, borderline non-existent. But um, anyway, Kevin, let's, let's jump into uh, wanted to have you on clearly because um, as I'm sure lots of people do talk to you about uh, where the bears are with the start of this draft um, really could have a huge effect, both with the pick they make, whether they make it, whether they, trade the current quarterback that they have a, a lot of the draft will sort of start with Chicago's decisions and could affect teams like the Broncos. So wanted to kind of talk to you about that. Um, but first man, we're, we're a couple days away from the Super Bowl, So I'd be remiss if, if I didn't get some of your thoughts on some of the just things that you are, that you're curious about, that you're looking forward to um, you know, uh, the commercial, whatever it might be, what's, what's sort of your, your take right now um, on the Super Bowl and what you're gearing up to see. So I was thinking about this yesterday, Nick. If you're a member of Taylor Swift's team, like pilot, driver, security, all those things, like you're already under under pressure. Right. Imagine being the ones tasked with getting her from Tokyo inside Allegiant Stadium, knowing the entire world is watching this moment, waiting for when she's going to arrive. I just, I just hope that everything goes smoothly for, for those people involved. Yeah, that's yeah. that's where my head's at with the Super Bowl. <laughs> the behind is that, you're, is that what you're expecting? I I wasn't, but I'm I'm glad that I, it's a good starting point to me. I, you know, I saw something where did, I don't I didn't watch Goodell's entire uh, press conference the other day, but I heard or, or read somewhere that he said that they were expecting 200 million people um, to watch the Super Bowl this year, which would of course be a record. 200 million people in the United States. And that, you know, so, somewhere near 20% of that increase um, is, is centered on the attention that that Taylor Swift is, is drawing because of that. So it, it's just, it, you I, you just wonder where critical mass is, like that eventually you have to reach that when you're starting to talk about two thirds of an entire country watching an event and, and, and a good chunk of that being because um, of this person. Like you'd think there'd be critical mass, but I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we're still a ways away from that. I know we're in a bubble, but don't you sometimes ask yourself, what are the other one third of Americans watching on <laughs> right. Sunday night? Right. Like what? You know? Yeah. What else is there? What else are they watching? Now, I, I will say this trivia that I tell about my family because I'm from outside of Chicago. The 85 Super Bowl, my mom and took her grandma that day. They went to see a movie. <laughs> okay. Wow. So I know two people who did not watch the from Chicago did not watch the 1985 Super Bowl. So like there are people out there who who aren't interested. But yeah, uh, yeah, I was I was. Anybody else? Have you been able to find anybody else in your time uh, covering Chicago sports that fits that that category? Because to me, that's one of the ones. Not only was I watching it, I was there. I I somehow you you know you you talked to a million people said they were there when it happened. Yeah. No. Those are the. they're the only ones. I do think that, uh, I mean, you have a little bit more familiarity with the Chiefs because you, you see them twice a year. Uh, I did go, the Bears were at Kansas City this year, and they were a, a machine that day. And that was week three. And I think it was actually, it might have been Patrick Mahomes' best game of the season, if you look back at his game after one of them. Uh, so it's kind of crazy to have seen them go through their struggles because they didn't look anything, like they looked like a Super Bowl team that day. In September, granted, they played the Bears at the worst. I mean, the Bears were rock bottom uh, when they faced them. 
And uh, I don't know, I guess it's like, I think it's a cool Super Bowl because pick of the draft is going to be Super Bowl MVP. And you're going to see how incredible this Kyle Shanahan scheme is and what it takes to build a superstar roster. Or we're going to see possibly the greatest to ever do it, do it again um, with his worst group of, you know, complimentary players, but an outstanding defense. It, it's just, I, I think the, all the different storylines, regardless of who wins, I think are, are, are pretty cool for, for people, especially in our world. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree completely. Like, I, I know there was some who sort of soured on this on this matchup. We, we saw some of this, um, you know, kind of for us growing up in our in our 20s or, you know, even our teens, I guess, when it started with with the Patriots and there becomes sort of this this fatigue with it. But I I, I don't have any of that feeling with this because because of the reasons you said um, also because of the fact that these teams played four years ago and there's still a lot of the same same pieces of course there are a number of of players who are no who were part of that game that obviously aren't at this point that's that's where the how, how the nfl churns but but a lot of the you know a lot of the stars the coaches um you know some of the star players on both rosters are still around so you have you have that again i, I think that's a, a compelling component of this you, you mentioned the defense I, I we obviously we all as a staff at the athletic you know made our picks for this game and it's and it's heavily le- leaning chiefs and a lot of it is a lot of it is hey it's it's Patrick Mahomes you, you mentioned it. he's going to go down if if not the best you know I, I looked at the, I did a story today where I uh, I tracked um, spent way too much time on spreadsheets but tracked where every Super Bowl starter has has come from um, and, and in that you see obviously it, you, it just when you lay it out visually it blows your mind again what what Tom Brady did going to ten of these things um, but but in terms of the pace. Uh, Mahomes is is right there. If he if he wins this one at the end of his sixth season as a starter, he's right there um, with Brady, who by the way had a had a, a almost a nine year gap between a couple of his wins. So again, can he can he keep that pace? But to me, you mentioned it the defense. This this Kansas City defense that that was my one takeaway when I watched this team twice was having watched the Chiefs now for for a lot of years and, and seen Mahomes do his thing particularly against the Broncos, um, it, it was always him needing to do uh, enough because that defense wasn't. This unit is is really incredible. And, and I saw your, you you put up the stat, their, their defensive third down rate is 29% right now. They're also leading the playoffs in forced fumbles, leading the playoffs in, in defensive splash plays. Um, they've only allowed five red zone trips in, in three games. Like this is a unit that I feel like, especially given some of the clunkiness and, and bouts of um, – you know, lulls that the 49ers have had. I think the Chiefs defense has a chance to be the best unit on the field on, on Sunday. And and I actually see them really kind of holding the 49ers down in this game. Yeah, I, I think that's also, that's a great point. And what's also amazing about that defense is outside of Chris Jones, like that's not a ton of stars. I mean, obviously people are figuring out who Legereus Sneed is. You, know, you got George Karlaftis, but I'm not sure, like, I don't even know how many necessarily pro bowlers are on that, that side of the ball for Kansas City, um, and which is interesting, too, because, like, as I said, Niners, you have Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, Trent Williams, um, Brandon Ayuk. And that, yeah. is, that is star-studded as it gets, uh, which I always, and I know we'll get to it, like, Bears fans, look at Brock Purdy, look at the 49ers and say, well, wait a second, like, why do people want to run Justin Fields out of town 
You can't. You can just. We could just be the 49ers. Like it doesn't have to be great. Well, first of all, Brock Purdy was great this year. Yeah. Like by all measures, he was unbelievable. The other thing is, you mentioned Debo, McCaffrey, Ayuk, Kittle, Trent Williams. Okay, the Bears have DJ Moore. <laughs> like they don't. They don't have. I mean, you know, in Denver too. Like, yeah. I mean, the Broncos are in a similar spot. Like, you're you're just far away from having those that number of blue chip guys who you can say, yeah, we can. We don't necessarily need, for example, Patrick Mahomes to get there, but you still need a lot of guys. And again, Purdy was sensational, like all season long. Yeah, and, and w- well, that that's the fascinating part of it too, because another story that I did this week was really kind of diving into the history of trades in the draft teams that trade up for a quarterback um because obviously that's what the chiefs did with mahomes um and and there's never been a more you know permanent pertinent example of what that can do for you josh allen um being another example of, of that in recent years um but but far more of these trades tilt toward the direction of what the 49ers did with Trey Lance, which was trade all the way from 12 to three, give up multiple future first round picks and other draft compensation in order to take a guy at number three, who ends up starting four games for your franchise before you trade him for a fourth round pick. And yet here they are still in the Super Bowl. Purdy has been excellent. That is a, a, a key component of it because they had tried other guys, right? Like if it was just that easy, Jimmy Garoppolo would have been able to, to do it to, to a higher degree some of the other quarterbacks they had tried would have been able to do the same thing. So I think it is absolutely, it's important to give Purdy his proper credit. But again, most teams that, that failed as badly as the 49ers did with that deal um, would have been cratered by it. And, and, and and it's just been the opposite for the 49ers who, who emerged from that unscathed. The Broncos are in the same position. They, they mortgage so much of their future in order to trade for the guy that they thought would be, their franchise answer the difference being that at least the 49ers didn't have to give Trey Lance all the money um which is where the Broncos are doing that so it is to to your point a lot of teams can say do the 49ers model to to build it the way that they have and and Mike Sando had a good piece about this it's kind of unconventional in terms of what they've invested in in sort of non-premium positions and had those just work out to the to the utmost degree um it, it's not necessarily the blueprint it's it's more what the chiefs have done which is you know get the quarterback right and then and then hit on those draft picks like the trent mcduffies the george Karloftises, like the fact that their defense has drafted a lot of those guys because you meant you meant you're right kevin they're not not full of superstars but they have really hit on those you know their first round picks but but other spots in that draft um, as well. So that those those two things, like I you you hit it the nail on the head. There are so many interesting facets of this game. Um you, you want to give a pick? What was what what did you put down for the Oh uh, I I went score Gami. I went uh nice. Chiefs twenty five, um forty ers I think twenty two. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so so you got a five two five two Super Bowl square. Um, Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I think so. I guess that's like maybe a two point conversion here or there, a bunch of field goals, maybe a safety. Um, I, every week when I do a score for whatever Bears game, I always pick weird numbers. It's just because, <laughs> like, I'm never going to get it right, so I might as well just, right. you know, mess around yeah. with it. But I did put in there that, like, I do think the fact that the Chiefs have a much more reliable kicker could be, yeah, a factor, yeah, uh, you know, and somebody who can kick who's made plenty of big time kicks under pressure too 
Yeah, um, no, it's it's a it's probably a pretty. I, I'm sure it's been covered by by some of the the folks who are on the ground out there, but I, I haven't read anything on that. And and watching Jake Moody, some of these times you get that you know the the water boy thing where you, you watch that movie and there's just one guy you look at and he's just sort of he's just sort of shaking in the moment. Um, you do wonder about that with Moody, man. Like it's it's kind of um. It's a, it could be a big deal. He's missed two kicks in the playoffs, like you wrote. Um, all right, Kevin, I want I want to hit you before I take up too much of our time here. I, w- I want to talk a, a little bit about the the draft and where the Bears are and how that could potentially cascade. I- I'm sure you get this nonstop. It's your second year in a row now where you're entering the offseason with a team you cover, holding the number one pick. Obviously, last year they traded it to Carolina for number nine, bunch of other stuff, DJ Moore and a future first, which lo and behold has turned into the number one overall pick. What's how are these situations? What's the biggest kind of difference um, in these situations now? Is it, is it simply the quarterback thing? Was there, there was no way that the, the bears were going to go down the, the quarterback route last year. Um, what's the, what's the biggest difference as you enter these off seasons in, in kind of on the surface, the same situation. Yeah. So I'll give you three things that, that make this, different one is the bears have a whole another year of film on justin fields and it's much fairer to his evaluation than the first year of film they had when they'd stripped that thing down it was a really bad team first year in the system all that stuff they get a second year where it's a much better team you put them with the star receiver and dj Moore, so you can have a better evaluation that's hopefully more reflective of what he's able to do the second thing is uh Justin Fields has finished his third season. So the Bears have to decide by May 2nd if they're going to exercise his fifth-year option. You have actual financial implications now. You didn't have that last year. You didn't have to worry about – you just keep Justin Fields and keep rolling and just keep seeing, seeing where it goes. Um, that's the two. The third is, as you know, and we'll talk about, this is just a different group of quarterbacks. This is And, and starts at the top where you might have somebody – you know, last year, Ryan Poles used the phrase, someone would have to blow me away. Bryce Young obviously didn't. You could argue the Bears made an error by saying that C.J. Stroud didn't at that time. Um, this time, you've got Caleb Williams. And, you know, he seems like the type of quarterback who's going to blow somebody away with what he's able to do. So I think those are the three kind of tangible differences. The kind of intangible difference that you – I'll give you two more things. One is your GM, Ryan Poles. Now you've been here for two years. Now you're talking about your job. Everything's about the team. Your choice here is going to impact your job and the jobs of everybody around you. And as you know, drafting a quarterback is a nice way to done that. And the other part is, you said, I think they'd have the number one pick again, but they do. So if you're going to keep Justin Fields, you're telling the world that you believe in him more than Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, J.J. McCarthy. You better be right. Right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And what what is sort of the what do you sense? What's the pulse in terms of the sentiment around there right now? Um, with the fan base, because clearly we saw a lot of, you know, what you and others wrote there toward the end of the season, you had guys like DJ Moore really go to the mat for Justin Fields and say, look, this he's, he's improving as a player. You know, I saw that October 1st game. And I, as I was sending you the link for this podcast, I, I looked at some of the, the chat we had had. And um, it was from October 1st when he was just lighting up Denver's defense. 
Um, and I, you know, I said, when, when was the last time that Justin Fields completed seven passes in a row? And you said, probably at Ohio state and, you know, and, but that, that day you sort of saw some of it, obviously he had the injury, missed some time, um, you know, came back. It seemed like it took him a second to kind of get back into things. But then again, as you go down toward the end of the season, that's where a lot of that sentiment build, how can you best sort of explain where be it the fan base, be it players, like in terms of that you know, pull that they're obviously going to have with this choice. Yeah. Justin Fields is very popular in the locker room and, and, and players to a man all would love for him to stay, but we've covered this league for a while. You know, you've covered the NBA too, which I'm sure it's, it's similar. These guys know it's a business. Whoever gets guys go in and go out and you move out and it's a little different quarterback because of the importance of the position. Um, but they'll figure it out if it's somebody else. The fan base is interesting because it it might seem like the fan base's majority wants Fields to stay. I, I just think those are maybe the louder voices. I do think it's probably a, a pretty even split, just anecdotally. Um, I mean, most fans love Justin Fields just for what he is as a person. He's been this great leader, good work ethic. You want it to work so badly. And because of what he's done his best. You mentioned that Broncos game, right? Like, Justin Fields at his best was doing things that Mitch Trubisky never did. The problem is that if you compare their numbers overall, they're not that different. And everybody in town wanted to run Mitch Trubisky out of here. Right. So I think that a lot – I would say right now we're talking on February 8th. I do think a lot of the city is kind of coming to this conclusion it's probably going to be Caleb Williams. And they're just, like, accepting it. So even the biggest field supporters are just kind of like, all right, Let's just hope that Caleb Williams works. Um, but it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, you – like, again, going back to the Mitch comparison, when the Bears decided to move on, people were not worried that Trubisky was going to go somewhere and be a star. Right. I think there's going to be this, like, re- like potential regret about Fields that with the right scheme, with the right team around him, he could do what Bears fans wanted him to do. And are they sure they're going to get that from whoever they end up drafting? Yeah. You know, that, that to me is the the really compelling piece of that, because no matter what you think about what the, the Bears should do, you'd have a hard time finding anybody who doesn't believe that Justin Fields is a starting quarterback in the NFL at a minimum and has the potential to be a, a really productive one. The thing that's interesting is obviously he had in his second year, he rushes for over a thousand or over 1100 yards. Um, you know, last year it's, it's around 650, um, has the, has the missed games, but clearly a little bit of a different plan in terms of overall, how to, how to use him. If he is to be traded, you know, the Broncos are a team that, you know, likes, like a few others had a chance to draft him in 2021 when he was the 11th overall pick Denver held the ninth pick, uh, needed a quarterback. Um, they ended up having a battle between Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. So clearly they were in position to be able to take a guy if they wanted to. Instead, they went with Sertan, had the veteran thing, and then traded for Russell Wilson the following year. Um, but but it remains kind of a captivating thing to me because Sean Payton is here looking for an answer. It Russell Wilson, they're going to move on from him almost certainly. Uh, they're going to take $85 million in dead money on the chin. You mentioned that the that the the team would have to the team trading for him would have to make that decision. Obviously, if you're trading for him, you're gonna pick up that fifth year option um, in May so that you can evaluate him. You know, obviously in 2024 and potentially in 2025 at, at what will still be a palatable number. Um, you know, for the team that picks it up. 
but what what kind of quarterback? I guess I guess my big question is part of you know part of the ascension this year again third year in the system. Um, in order to get him and have him, you know, sort of hit the ground running, what what will a team need to do around him in order to make that um, a successful situation if they do in fact trade for him? Yeah, it's it's a great question. You know, when I think about Sean Payton, and you think about Drew Brees, right? Like, you have to be a coach that is willing. That's like a risk taker. That is okay with a risk taker quarterback. I don't know if Sean. I mean, you obviously know better than me. I'm not sure if Sean Payton is, has the appetite for the ups and downs that can come with Justin Fields. Now, to Fields' credit, he did a really good job protecting the football in the second half of the season post-injury. He only had one non-Hail Mary interception uh, in those final, I think it was seven or eight games, which was, again, really huge improvement for him going back to what had been a big problem for him. But he still lost a bunch of fumbles. You know, He, he still can be careless with the football. Um, a little bit when he gets outside the pocket, when he does what he does best, which is run um, and, and make plays on the move. So, you know, it's funny too, Nick, because I remember sitting where I am right now, because we all covered the 2021 draft from home. And when the Broncos were on the clock, that was the team where I was like, because I had gotten a sense earlier in the day that the one guy the Bears could make a move for was Fields. And I, when it came to number nine, I'm like, this is it. If the Broncos don't take him here, I really think this is going to happen. Yeah. They, they didn't. And I was stunned. Every time somebody passed on fields, I was stunned. Because, I mean, you remember what the feeling was about him then. I could not believe the Jets took Zach Wilson over him. And I look to be smart now. But the thing with fields was he's, he, he hasn't been able to capture that magic at Ohio State where he had guys that were wide open and he took advantage and he was accurate and all those things. So for things to work, I think you need, for one thing, you need a really good offensive line. He just, you know, he's going to be moving around and you just got, and he doesn't make the quickest decisions. Again, going back to the breeze comparison, right? I mean, you think about breeze catching that ball, boom, that ball's out. Even Russ at times, Russ, who, you know, I actually went back and looked at kind of those time to throw numbers and Fields' time to throw numbers is one of the longest in like media, which we all use for our stats. Russell was like the other guy up there. Yeah. So maybe Sean Payne's better with that. I don't know. But, you know, with Fields, you need that good offensive line because he's just not going to be a cat the snap and go. So you got to make sure he has the time. I think you do need to have a good running game. You know, you need to be able to have guys who can, because he's just not, he's, at least he hasn't shown propensity to be a guy who can throw the ball 35 40 times a game and win for you so you got to have that run game complement um and you know the one thing you could be excited about not sure the one because there's a few things about him when he threw to dj Moore this year his numbers were off the charts Mm -hmm. so if you've got that kind of receiver that's helpful you know to have that guy who he can really rely on his problem was throwing him almost Almost everybody else right. wasn't very good. So you do need to have a lot of, just based on what we've seen the past few years, you do need a lot of those things to help him because he just hasn't yet to show the ability to be like, doesn't matter what my offensive line is, doesn't matter who my weapons are, doesn't matter who's calling plays for me. I'm that good that I'm going to win this thing. There are times that he, he looked that way because of his legs, but rarely was it because of his arm. Uh, it's interesting that like all those things that you brought up were on display in that October 1st game. 
Yep. And it's interesting, you know, I heard somebody talking about this this week about, uh, I think it was on Robert Mays who had Diana Rossini on his podcast and they were talking about how it's, it's sort of staggering how much like teams, coaches, GMs, whoever will make decisions um, or, or at least heavily factor into decisions, like things that they saw it with their own eyes, like in person in a game, like, um, I think it was when the, the Broncos signed Joe Flacco, they had talked about like what he had did against them. And it's such like a, it's such a small, weird sample size to like, you know, pull from, but that, but that does happen. And all those things in that game that you talked about were, were evident. He had some just unreal strikes to DJ Moore, Cole Komet in that game as well. Um, you know, ha- had obviously the ability to extend plays with his legs, make, make a couple really big plays late in that game that way. But you also saw, you know, the sack, the the, the strip sack that really swung that game, uh, where the Broncos scored a touchdown off of that. So you you had all those elements. I do think stylistically, on the surface, it it doesn't make sense. Sean Payton and Justin Fields. It is it is a similarity to some of the things that frustrated him with Russell Wilson. Part of that was was going off script when you when you didn't have to. Um, part of it was that yeah, the, the ball control was was huge. That. The Broncos, the Broncos won five games in a row by completely dominating the turnover margin. Once the once the takeaway valve shut off for the defense, which you knew at some point it would, um, everything kind of fell apart and they lost four out of their last five games. Um, so it, it's it's one of those situations where um, the the reason that you would do it um, would not necessarily be stylistically as much as it is you just gamble on the overall talent. Um, that, that it would be an upgrade for a lot of teams over what they have, like just the, the, the pure talent. And does a coach have enough of that, you know, healthy ego to say, I'm going to be the coach that, that puts him in this, in this perfect spot. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's the, the Broncos. I think there's, there's too much that probably runs counter to what they want to do to what they experienced last year, but, but there's not going to be a shortage of suitors. Um, so I guess my other question would be, what do you think? the bears will pull in, in that kind of trade. Do you think it's a, it's a first round? Is it a second round and some change? What, what do you think that would ultimately look like? Yeah, I, I think they would, I mean, I think they would love a second round pick mm-hmm. if they're going to trade him because they don't have one right now from the Montez sweat deal. Um, so I think that should be a goal. Uh, and I can see teams, you know, because we know how premium his quarterback position is. Um, and he's, as you said, he's 25. Now the other thing too, you know, you, you mentioned the, the fifth year option, you know, a team could theoretically do a little bit with the Packers do with Jordan Love. You can kind of start, you know, you can do a different contract, like a you know two-year deal that's yeah. just, you know, low risk on both sides. Um, if you just want to, if you don't want to commit that, you know, because now it's fully guaranteed. Uh, now, whatever that is, I mean, it might be like 19 million. No, it's higher than that. Maybe 21 million. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got, no, he's got no, the none of the, um, he hasn't made a Pro Bowl, right? And so there's no, yeah. No. So I think it'd be 21 million, and that would still be average, probably, mm-hmm. for starting quarterbacks. So it, it is something that a team could take on. But you're right; you'd have to be willing to do that. I, I do think the Bears should be able to get a second. the 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 key is they need to get multiple teams interested. Yeah, and I just i i think I think teams are going to want him said there's so much ego and you're going to find a coach or GM that looks at his talent and says the Bears botched this we're going to make it work I don't know how many teams there are that are willing to do that because you do have a decent sample size of a guy who 
didn't come through in the clutch and still turned it over too much. So, you know, that that's just going to be, you know, I like the Raiders were an option. Then they hired Luke Getze, who was the Bears offense coordinator. That probably won't work. Um, you know, I'm thinking like in your, you, you, with the draft, you have no idea. A lot of those teams would probably rather just take somebody yeah, um, with that pick and, and have the rookie deal. So um, I'm not sure, you know, the Falcons are a popular one. It makes sense. Like the Broncos, the Falcons could have taken them yeah. two, three years ago. So right. what have they seen necessarily to make them think that they want them now? And that, that I could see, you know, it's, they're desperate and their owner probably would like the idea of having the local local guy kind of come and, and be the, save, potentially save the day. So, you know, that, that's going to be a popular team people talk about. Yeah. Uh, they talk about Atlanta with, with Russell Wilson as well. So that, that'll be interesting thing for uh, one, one thing before I get you out here, Kevin, the um, you were down at Mo- in mobile at the senior bowl. Um, the Broncos pick 12th right now. They are probably not going to be, in this Caleb Williams, Drake may conversation, or even the Jaden Daniels conversation, because um, the capital, a team has to trade as, as I looked over this um, it's, it's, it's massive. And the Broncos have already given away three first round picks between the deals for, for Wilson and Sean Payton over the last uh, two off three off seasons. Um, and that that's to say nothing of some of the other picks that they traded away. Um, so I just, I just don't envision it. What I do see is the potential to either, either find a way to acquire a second round pick, which like Chicago, Denver doesn't have right now and, and draft the guy early in that round, like Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr. Um, or, you know, or move back in the first round and, and take one of those guys. Then what was your biggest takeaway from, from those two guys? Cause I think when you talk about the next wave, it's JJ McCarthy who wasn't there in, in mobile, but um, you know, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. What, what was just sort of maybe your, your overarching takeaways of those guys from, from the week down there? Yeah, I remember like writing down in my notebook like the best throw I saw all week was from Michael Penix. Again, it's just one throw, um, but a little bit of what we saw from him in college. Uh, I did not think Bo Nix stood out very much, and and frankly, I didn't necessarily think Penix looked amazing. I think he did win for best quarterback of the week. You know, the guy who kind of stood out to people who was on the next, the third tier, I guess, would be Michael Pratt and Spencer Rattler. Um, you know, those were kind of other guys who who looked okay. And, you know, look, I'm not a scout, but, like, Russell Wilson Senior Bowl. I was at Colin Kaepernick Senior Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, who I should say I thought Josh Allen was accurate. He turned out to be a little bit. In some ways still is. Yeah. But I I felt like, okay, I've seen what a really good quarterback looks like here. I didn't necessarily get that sense. Senior Bowl doesn't mean that's just my – thoughts of, of watching the two practice styles at. But Penix probably was the best. But you know, people seem pretty impressed with Spencer Rattler, who we forget did look like somebody could potentially be a first round pick. Right. Yeah. Uh Pratt, Pratt's interesting obviously because he played his ball um you know at at Tulane, you know, so you would sort of think, hey, maybe there's maybe there's that Louisiana connection a little bit as a guy that, you know, again, whether it's late in day two or or, or day three, wherever he ends up going. Um, it's going to be fascinating, obviously, like you and I have both lived this, um, you know, for, for several years now of just this constant, constant quarterback turn. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. I, w- I was looking through obviously the Super Bowl history project I did, um, the, the bears plucked both of their Super Bowl starters out of the first round. Um, you know, so that, that is, that remains the most, um, the most 
common way to get a Super Bowl starter, and and particularly the number one overall pick, it it kind of blew my mind because um, there's been 13 starters out of the 67 in the Super Bowl who are picked with that number one overall pick, and you say, well, yeah, that that's where they're supposed to come from. But when you when you just put that number into perspective of how many quarterbacks were drafted at at all the other different spots and how many were acquired by trade or acquired by free agency, um, you know that that still is sort of that tried and true. Um, way and a lot of these, you know, a lot of the first round picks were guys that were number one picks and ended on your team a different way, like like Peyton Manning with the Broncos. But but again, that's that's typically where those, you know, the the superstars with the highest ceiling reside. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the Bears factor that in. Yep, and if you ask a Bears fan, the one team that could find, figure a way to screw up Caleb Williams would probably be the Chicago Bears, and they have reason to think that, of course. Yeah, but right. uh, you know what? If he's that talented, you got to take your shot. Yeah, man. And then, and then hope can spring eternal all over again, Kevin, man, thank you so much. Um, enjoy the, uh, enjoy the super bowl and look forward to catching up with you, uh, in Indianapolis in a few weeks. All right, Nick. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you all for listening. Please tell your friends, subscribe, uh, continue to follow us on social media until next time. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, sorry, I kept you a little bit longer than I said, but. <laughs>